Nighters. Thank you for joining Late Night with White. I'm your host, C.D. White, and wow, (laughs) a lot has been happening. Let me just say, a lot has been happening. So if you're tuning in today, um, today's the 19th, and of course you're probably, like I am, thinking about the trial that just recently acquitted, um, someone who by all accounts should be going to jail and I've been thinking about the fact that maybe the DOJ needs to open up a civil rights violation case and I'm saddened because it's harking back to the 1960s civil rights era where um, blacks were shot down, slaughtered, lynched and the only way to get some um semblance of justice was for the federal government to go after these violent um, people with federal laws. And so I'm hoping that um, we don't give up the fight, that we don't become too discouraged and that, um, you know, maybe the feds will pick it up. Certainly there was some um, uh, highly problematic (laughs) goings on at the trial. It was almost a foregone conclusion at the beginning of it that he would not um, be held accountable Uh, because we certainly don't want to waste the life of a young white man. So anyway, that's not even what I was thinking about tonight. Um, I was thinking about scarcity. And I've just been, you know, reading a lot and it's been coming across the radar that there's really no such thing as scarcity, right? Um, those who are business, um, you know, minded, know that we have supply and demand. If you restrict the supply, you can increase the demand or increase the price of a thing. But you know, even diamonds—they're not scarce. Food isn't scarce. Uh, water, not scarce. When we talk about scarcity and providing for every human on this planet, there is a bounty. There is more than enough. That is not the definition of scarcity. And so it just had me thinking like, we spend a lot of our time being indoctrinated to the idea that there's limits on things. There's limits on good housing. There's limits on well-paying jobs. There's limits on education. There's limits and scarcity in regards to good relationships, to health care, to all the things that are basic tenets of what it means to be um, well-to-do, well-off, secure. And the reality is... It's all shadows and mirrors. There's no reason um, for scarcity, right? We pay a lot for our engagement rings and for our diamonds, but do you know diamonds aren't scarce? They're in vaults all over the world, you know, by the billions. The scarcity is something that's man-made and created for a profit. So when we look at scarcity and why things are scarce and regimented and doled out to a few 
it's usually um, an economic gain or a mindset or a simple greed that is preventing the sharing of those resources. I don't understand why people can own mountains <laughs> or own lakefront because those things aren't really scarce, but when parceled and um, seized upon, they become scarce and then you know, fall into the hands of a few and then the many can't enjoy them anymore. And I'm so thankful to Roosevelt, um, Teddy, for saying no, they're part of this country that belong to all of us and putting in place a system where we can enjoy all of us, our natural resources, um, in a way that adds value to our lives, right? Um, so yeah, there's no scarcity. It's a myth. It's a false foundation. And it doesn't have to be that way. And so all of us are making choices that aid and abet, as it were, the idea that certain things um, can't be had by all. And that um, certain cold hard facts of life can't be changed. And I, I've just been questioning my own like belief system when it comes to scarcity. You know, I saw a YouTube video that talked about this and said that, you know, if you took all of us, almost 8 billion of us, and put us in L.A. shoulder to shoulder, we'd fit. Now think about that. Think about Calcutta and Hong Kong and Tokyo and New York and taking all this human presence and putting it in one location and think about how much of the earth would still be available, how much of its mountains and lakes and rivers and, um, you know, bread baskets and uh, forests and rainforests and, of course, the sea would be available. There's no scarcity. And you think of it like that, you know, all of us shoulder to shoulder in one big um, major city like L.A. Um, and it's even hard to imagine 8 billion people shoulder to shoulder, right? Um, that's a hard number to reckon with. And that's also how scarcity works the numbers are beyond our control beyond our comprehension and so um are manipulating us basically into believing that um this piece that i have is scarce and i've got to hold on to it and i've got to get more somehow some way uh, because it's rare and the reality is it's, it's a false construct it's a false dichotomy and we can't fathom a world where there's equal access, equal rights um, where everyone is dead we simply cannot imagine it which leads me to think about The Matrix and as many of you movie buffs know it's, it's being rebooted which I think is great I'd like to see the fourth part um, of that of that series and I'm interested in how they're going to with everything that's happened in the intervening years make it 
seem futuristic, right? Keeping the sci-fi edge and fantasy while dealing with some of the realities that we're experiencing because that's the real gift of sci-fi and fantasy is that it's rooted in the now. And so um, I'm reminded when the machines were talking to Neo about why is the world so awful? And the machine is telling Neo because humans can't imagine a different way. When we, make, when we put them in a utopia, when we put them in paradise, they kill themselves. So maybe um, in this way of thinking, it's just wired in our brains. We're hardwired for suffering. We're hardwired to cause the suffering of others. And maybe it's just a few of us who are able to um, rewire our brains so we don't see everything as a loss or gain. If I share this, I'm losing. If I have this, I'm gaining. And I'm typically gaining over someone else. And we have a lot of pride in our gamemanship, don't we? Um, and even I do. I, I'm not pretending I don't. There's something I'm having to reconcile. Um, if I believe that there is no scarcity, then how does that change my outlook on my pursuit of certain goals and the relevance of certain outcomes? Um, yeah, it's a lot to think about. But no less um challenging and I think when you get to a certain age you are reconciling different things you're reconciling teachings of your youth with your lived experiences and so um, perhaps this is like the middle age crisis that a lot of us out there are going through where we start to say hmm what am I doing why am I doing this what is its value how am I communicating value to my children, perhaps to my grandchildren? Am I setting them up to believe the same myths and legends <laughs> um, without providing them a real foundation for freeing themselves from it? And so, one of my favorite books is Le Miserable by Victor Hugo and um, the scene that I really love that he wrote so well was when Valjean encounters the priest and is invited in and given a place to stay so when you think about you know all those basic needs being met right food, shelter, security for the night at least and we wonder at Valjean who gets up and robs the um, priests of the <laughs> of the precious candlesticks, and meanwhile the the servants like, oh no, don't do this. This is horrible. Bad things are going to happen if you do this. And sure enough, bad things happen because um, the priest is attacked by Valjean. The candlesticks are are stolen. But what I really like about the scene is a redemptive, um, really Christian attitude of the priest who when. They bring Valjean back with the candlestick. Says, no, 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 no. He didn't steal them. I gave them. And if you've seen the movie, the movie that I really like is the one with Liam Neeson as Valjean. His face, like, how can you 
be doing this. I, I, I'm guilty. And being prepared mentally to go back to jail where he served hard time and the priest saying, no, I'm giving these to you because I want you to have a different life. And I want you to go and prosper and change your life. Change your life. So Valjean goes from scarcity and really abject cruelty. His prison sentence is so cruel. Um, and, and, and his lack is cruel. And he becomes, you know, La Monsieur Le Mayor, whatever, the mayor, uh, Mr. Mayor. And he invents a technique for things and he's um, hiring people and employing people. And from the scarcity, I think because he understands it so well, he becomes a bounty. Um, although he's still pursued and hunted by a man who has a scarcity and a paucity of human spirit. And in their final reckoning, you know, I think about this man when he comes face to face with his pursuit of Valjean, but um, rather commit suicide than live in a world where a Valjean is more human, more just, more good than he is when he comes to that conclusion. And of course, it's writ large with the um, Christian ethos, pathos, and logos. And with, um, uh, you can see in that final scene, um, the the uh, ascension of Christianity, basically, over the tyranny of the world, right? Even a world that sees itself as an arbiter of justice and righteousness. And so... Um, and a lot of his works are infused with that um, encounter with what is really good in this world. You know, if you think about the Hunchback of Notre Dame and, you know, the characters in that and how the religious figures present or are presented by him as a writer, um, we certainly know that he has some very harsh criticisms of the church. And when we think about the church and its promotion of scarcity, right, um, it can be highly problematic because, uh, like Victor Hugo, I believe that a proper reading of the edicts of scripture is the prevention of scarcity, starting with the scarcity of goodness and gentleness and kindness and giving within ourselves. So, um, and then of course, it applies to life in general. Like, there's no scar- you know, scarcity of good people. There's no scarcity of good men if you're looking for a husband. There's no scarcity of good women if you're looking for a wife. There's no scarcity of good friends, of good times, of good places, of um, good living. It's all in our approach and in our mindset can we alter our mindsets to see life differently? To not see it as us versus or me versus, but to open ourselves up to the fullness, right? And the richness of our possible experiences, right? And um, seeing the value in people who may not fit the mold, 
So, um, giving people a chance to be themselves without making demands upon them. And um, where we have scarcity in our lives, whether it's economics or um, friends or um, just the grind that goes on, how can we add to our abundance? What do we have to let go of? I know people who are working um, multiple jobs, and I applaud that. But I often ask myself, why? Why are you doing that to yourself? What are you missing out on? What's the economic gain? And does it really outvalue your health, your well-being, missed time with family? Is this just a season for you? Or is it a long epoch where it's never going to end? How can you change your mindset so that you can drop some hours and uh, do something else with your time except for work? Right? And of course, that's me putting a, a value on work where um, and on money that may not be shared by others. So... That's what I'm thinking tonight. Just, if we could all give a pause and think. There's no scarcity. And if we think there's no scarcity of food, water, clothing, shelter. I mean, landfills are clogged with America's, you know, uh, <laughs> finished with clothes. With our, finished with electronics. With our, finished with fill in the blank. Um, so much so that we're, dumping it in other countries and causing them problems um, yet how many people feel improperly clothed improperly sheltered and cared for and loved maybe changing our mindset to think of scarcity as man made and not real and how can we break the cycle of the myth of scarcity so that we can all have breathing room and space and quality of life that's not driven by the idea that I've got to get it and if I don't I am nothing or I'm certainly reduced or I'm not good enough because certainly if you're a human being you're entitled and I'm using that word intentionally, you're entitled to the basic um, requirements to sustain life. Those things aren't scarce. They never have been. The only thing that's scarce is our ability to imagine something different. Are we like those people in the Matrix who, when given paradise, would rather turn it into a hellhole? Because we can't accept the idea of bounty. It's very telling. Thank you guys. I have listened to and read your questions. And I have not forgotten them. I will be getting back to you with a Q&A episode. Um, and they are piling up. And I love it. Please, please, please keep them coming. Keep your comments coming. Um, Thank you for sharing the podcast with your friends and family. 
uh, it's interesting when I go and see my breakdown to see, you know, listeners in Germany and listeners in other parts of Europe. So it's like, wow, you know, because um, the platforms that we have today link us, right? They create a bounty. And so I don't have a, scare, uh, a scarcity of listeners at all, um, perhaps just pushing a little bit more into the fray. But um, I'm very thankful to those of you who tune in and who send me messages like, when's the next podcast coming out? Because uh, it keeps me honest with myself and it keeps me um, focused on what's important, you know, and um, carving out a space and time. Because these are really good for me. I mean, it's an exercise in my own um, shared thought process, I guess. So um, I really appreciate you guys spending your time before bed as I imagine it because someone did question as to like you know um, you know it's a podcast and I can listen at any time right and of course I know that you can be listening early in the morning late at night midday on your lunch break but the imaginative space where I'm coming from is that we're sharing this moment right now with me as I'm up late at night in the real world um, just having a conversation with you. And I kind of imagine it as an interlude on a radio station late at night where uh, this is a brief interlude between Miles Davis and Nina Simone or between Barb Marley and Peter Tosh where we just have that moment where we're sharing uh, some thoughts and concerns and encouragement. So have a great, great Thanksgiving Don't be scarce in your gratitude. Thank someone. Reach out to someone you haven't spoken to so far this year. Be the friend that you need in your own life. Be the spouse, you know, whatever it is that you need in your own life. Welcome the bounty into your life. Don't shuck it aside because it doesn't look like or present in this ideal false way. Real people come with real problems real habits and real needs and so um, I think if we're open and mindful and intentional about being the change that we want we'll get more of the things that we need that's just me I'm, I'm a snowflake Thanksgiving happy Thanksgiving to all of you eat lots pray lots love lots and read. <laughs>